what was the story? Well, that's where it all went wrong. <laughs> Welcome to the Cancelled Movie Report, the documentary podcast series where we talk about all the best movies that Hollywood never made. My name is Cambo and I am your host, but joining me as always is actor and comedian Eden Porter. Hello, thank you for having me. Now, we are halfway through Gladiator 2, and in case you haven't listened to episode 1, make sure you listen to that. But here's what you've missed so far. This is taking place in the underworld. The movie begins, Eden, in a storm, and we follow two thieves as they stumble across a body of a gladiator lying in the mud. We see the gladiator turns, and he is alive, and it is Maximus. At first you'll be disoriented and confused. Uh, Mordecai approaches and explains that he has something that he needs to show him. And when Maximus enters this huge ruined temple, He's greeted by the Roman gods themselves. He believes there is a being greater than us. Can you imagine it? Your son is in grave danger. Maximus is transported back to the world of the living. Maximus rises out of the body of a dying Christian. Lucius is the villain of this movie. The emperor reveals that there is a census being taken. Anyone who is Christian will be arrested. I was a Roman soldier. Then you serve the devil himself. Marius. Leave this place, idolater. Ah, but isn't he like his father? My son does not even know me! So we actually find now Lucius walking the halls of the palace. And as he passes a bust of a famous Roman general, he stops in disbelief. Now let's get back into the film. So Maximus uh, locates Cassian again the next day and offers his help. Cassian apologizes for the action of his uh, students and especially Marius last night. It turns out that Marius is his adopted son. So oh, look at this. Look dad at this. versus dad. Yes. Uh, and he said, my, my adopted son has a hot temper on occasions. And he relates the tale of how he found Marius alone in a sick ward as a little boy with no parents to speak of. <gasps> They're really threatening that needle. Wow. <laughs> this is... This is... Oh, okay. Yep. So, Maximus heads back to the inn and he finds uh, what is described as a pack of groupies, but fans of his that, that <laughs> exclaim... <laughs> Nick Cave knows the thing yeah, or two yeah. about groupies. <laughs> <laughs> it, he, it's very much written in his world, yeah. isn't it? What are they, like groupies? Or, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, and they, they, they're excited to see uh, Maximus. They exclaim, he walks, he walks. And one of them is actually Juba, who is Dijmon Honsu's character from the first No. Film. He pops up and they embrace and they drink and they catch up. Juba and Maximus are back together. And Juba listens dumbfounded as he's presented with the story of what Maximus has been through. And he presents Maximus with a gift. The small figurines, the little toys. <laughs> the small figurines that he buried he at the buried end him. of the first film. Uh, he's recently gone back and uncovered them after learning that the Emperor will be... Uh, in fact, I'm not going to go this way. The Emperor will be uh, doing something spectacular in the Colosseum. And he, he, he thanks Maximus for everything that he's done for him. And it's actually quite a nice. That's scene. A, yeah, that's that. That would be a cool scene. Those two getting back together because yeah. they were good yeah. gladiator buddies. And even like, um, he doesn't seem to age anyway. Like he was recently in Captain Marvel, 
playing a younger version of his character from yeah. Guardians of the Galaxy. Yes. And they de-age, uh, they de-age Sam, Sam Jackson, Jackson and Phil Coulson. And I was looking at his character. I'm like, I don't know if they've de-aged him or not. Because yeah. he looks the same as he did in like Amistad or anything yeah. like well, that. And Blood Diamond. He looks the same. Yes. So it could be 25 years on and he would look exactly the same. There no makeup would even be required. There we go. Well, that was all happy and nice. We now cut to a scene less happy and nice. Lucius is on the hunt for the for the Christian leader, and he is torturing a family. Oh, mate. I'll ask you again your leader's name. Look at me. Look at me! Mummy? Ah, a child. Go to your room. Come to me, boy. Come, come. Child, go to your room. Ah, a fine boy. What is your name? Luke. Look at your father, Luke. He's scared. Boom! <laughs> See? Scared. Here. You do it. Scare your father. Go on. His name is Cassian. Quiet woman. Cassian, the school teacher. Good boy. Well, well, well. This does not Man. bode well for the Christians. No, not at all. <laughs> He's a psychopath. <laughs> It's yes. crazy. It, he, this is a scene in which he gets uh, the young child of someone to to, to taunt their father with a blade. blade. <laughs> this is. It reminds me of the one from the first uh, Gladiator. Yep. He's like, "You've been a busy little bee." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's got that menace. It's I want to point menace. something out here that I think is important. This is a milestone. This is the introduction. Of the first female character. <laughs> well, I was just about to say we have not heard a female yes. voice uh, until this point. There are two female characters. Do they talk to each other at all? No, no, of course not. <laughs> the first female character is Maximus's dead wife. Yep. The second female character is being tortured. <laughs> yeah. Okay. It's Nick, not great. Nick Cave's he's got to work out some stuff. Yeah, yeah. Which is especially odd because the first Gladiator actually has quite a strong female presence in Connie Nielsen. Oh, like she yeah, is like a like, yeah. It, it's She's so because there. Are, spoiler alert: there are no more female characters in this really? movie. There are in passing, but not that have any particular. Look at that wench over there. Yeah, look at that barmaid over there. Just like that. Just a bit odd, I think. And, yeah, and okay. there, there are movies that are understandable. The Shawshank Redemption, for example. In a men's prison, prison, it makes yep. sense that there's next to no female characters in that. Yeah. There's posters con- of female characters because context matters. Yes. But in this, in Rome, in the in the heyday of the Roman Empire, presumably 50-50 split of, uh, think of so. gender. Anyway, that's uh, Mate, that's where we're I'll at. step off of my soapbox and continue. <laughs> Get down here. Get down here. <laughs> so the next morning, Marius, Maximus's son, walks through the city and he is confronted by two young men who mock his faith. As the confrontation turns physical, Maximus steps from the shadows and beats the attackers to a pulp. Father and son have a nice conversation in which Marius compares Maximus to the Apostle Paul, a violent man who was converted after hearing Christ's voice and becoming God's chosen instruments. The two speak of their families. Marius discusses his birth father's constant absence 
and Maximus describes the pain of leaving his wife and child, particularly his son. So they're talking around this a lot, right? Uh, Maximus knows exactly what's going on. Maximus knows. Yeah, he knows. Maximus always knows. He knows. knows. He's dropping little (laughs) little hints there. So Marius is attending school uh, and he's being taught by his father, Cassian. Cassian. Uh, when suddenly... Father in Adventure. Oh, yeah. sick go. burn yeah. on all adopted yeah. <laughs> people that adopt children. Eden is here to say it. He's happy to say it. Not the real father. Correct. <laughs> so all is going well at school. Father and son in classroom together. Well, father. Um, when suddenly Lucius and his men enter the scene and Lucius at this point spots... The little fish Christian symbol hanging around the neck of Cassian. The little Jesus fish. Little Jesus fish. And he rips it off and he actually delivers what I think is quite a good monologue. You are students, are you not? Scholars, learned young men. Then answer me this. Does Rome stand deep fixed and deathless as in the time of the great Caesar? No. Think not. Does she prowl the world, hungry and fearless and all-powerful? Again, I think not. Do the gods sit mighty and well-pleased in the heavens and bestow on her her just rewards? No, and again, no. I think not. Rome weeps, and this little fish swims in her tears. A fish. A little fish hidden around an old man's neck. The earthquakes have ripped this mighty empire asunder. Charge this little fish! The infernal plagues and disease and hellish pestilence that ravish our lands. Charge this little fish! The droughts, the terrible floods that have devastated the providence. The fish, the little fish! The mad weather, the diabolical rage of the gods. I say again, charge this fish and charge the one who wears it. This man here spits in the eye of the gods themselves. He is an enemy of all of us. Deny it. Deny it! Lord, forgive this man. I knew your mother. She was a good woman. She is with God and all his angels now. You dog. There we are. Lucius stabs to death Cassian in front of the classroom. But I actually think that that is quite a well-written monologue. And and it it, it paints very well his perspective of things. uh, Like Rome crying and the fish (laughs) swimming swimming in in its tears. tears. That's next level. Yeah. I, I would not be surprised if that turns up somewhere in a Bad Seeds lyric. Mate. He's like, yeah, that's oh, too yes. good. Yeah, that is too good it's to waste too good on this. too good to waste on a script that will never be made. So they've just killed the teacher in front of the class. They've killed Cassian. And then substitute teacher comes in. <laughs> What's happening here? Oh, oh, boy. No. Close, just the, close door. the door slightly. <laughs> I'm not getting paid enough rubles for this. Well, at this point, Lucius actually uh, tries to kill Marius as well, but Marius manages to escape, and he heads directly for Maximus. If there's a man that knows what to do, it's the it's the, the Apostle Paul type. He's going to yeah, sort yeah, things yeah, out. Yeah, rough and tumble. 
he asks for the help. Uh, he asks for Maximus's help in creating an army. And several shots and training montages. No, that's not a montage. Uh, there's a recruitment montage. Oh my god! Of, uh, they're recruiting uh, Christians for their Christian army. So we now cut it's to. It's so religious. It's, it's very, it's very just religious in it. It's very yeah. and the, the whole theme of this movie is about how one religion will eventually take over another yeah, religion, yeah. and that it's almost kind of anti-religious as yeah, well as being much. very religious. So we now cut to the Colosseum. And this is the people being entertained that we were promised. And Love it. the first appearance on page 81 of this script of a Colosseum. Oh, yes. <laughs> we're back at the Colosseum. Great. Yes. Uh, so we cut to the Colosseum and there's thousands of cheering Romans. And I, I, I have actually got the, the script page for this because I want to read to you verbatim. So oh, you don't think yes. I'm taking creative license. Okay. This scene. Okay. From the words of Nick Cave himself. The Colosseum teems with people. The people scream and cheer and shout at the carnage they witness in the arena. The grounds of the arena have been flooded and in four feet of water, a naval battle ensures. The water rolls with 100 alligators that have been released in the water. Gladiators fire, arrow, fire arrows, throw spears, launch fireballs as the two vessels approach each other. Christians kneel on the decks, hands clasped in prayer. Some Christians, impaled on spears and arrows, fall from the vessels and are torn apart by alligators. We have <laughs> alligators. At last. What, what is that scene in the latter half of this movie? That is next level epic. <laughs> I'm sorry. So they've thought of, they've got what did we have on the first one? We had the tigers. Yes. Yeah, we had That the, was the big thing. That was the big thing and it came out and attacked and they released the yeah. sequel. What beats tigers? Naval battle with alligators. Correct. <laughs> so there's two warring ships in the Colosseum with alligators in the water. Cuz you know they used to flood the Colosseum, yeah. That's an yeah, actual yeah. thing. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm not so I'm not so sure they had alligators. I think this is the kind of thing where like Nick Cave has learned that fact. I mean like, can you guys believe don't know this. Man, we gotta put this in the movie. <laughs> so, uh, at this Colosseum, uh, Lucius and the Emperor are talking, and uh, Lucius uh, informs uh, the Emperor that the Christians are forming an army under a resurrected Maximus. What they know. They know it's Maximus because of the bust, Eaton. Remember the bust? Oh, the, of course, the bust. <laughs> I forgot about the bust, the great bust. Because it was such a mystery. Yeah, we, it, was we the, kept it, it, it was the mystery bust. Uh, and the emperor gives permission to crush them. Okay. Wipe so, them out. <laughs> All of them. That's a, that's a <laughs> solid reference. <laughs> so the war is impending. Christians are making their army and the Romans have decided they're going to crush them once and for all. The next scene, Lucius arrives at the forge, the, the ironwork forge of Juba. And whenever he arrives somewhere, nothing good's going to happen. No, no. We cut again. Maximus is actually going to find Juba so they can work on their, you know, their training for the impending war. Yeah. Are you a ghost? Are you a spectre, Maximus Meridius? Let us find out. Lucius motions to the side. It is here we see Juba, who stands on the other end of the forge with his hands bound and a chain around his neck, gagged. Move one step closer and my guards will release the lever. Your friend's neck will snap like a twig. Now put up your sword. I wish to speak to you. Release him. 
He is not part of this. You must understand, Gladiator. I have to take precautions. You are well versed in the art of killing. Oh, how you used to swing that sword. You will die. Perhaps. But not this day. What do you want? Forgive me, Maximus, but I am confused about many things. As a boy, as a, as a little boy, I watched a Roman general who became a gladiator bring down the very heavens upon his foes. And when he died, I stood by my mother and we wept. And all of Rome wept with us. He was a soldier, a great warrior, Yet he stands before me now. How can that be? Do not despair. You will see the heavens come tumbling down again. But I am further confused. Not only does this man stand before me now, but he forges an alliance with a sect of infidels whose belief defy all that he has ever fought for. I mean, Maximus, we are fighters. You and I, we are warriors. Roman warriors. Again, I am much perturbed. I knew your mother well. She was a good woman. It would appear that she's given birth to a snake. A good woman, yes. But a vulnerable one. After you died, Maximus, she lost heart. She became remote, distant. They preyed on her, these... Christians, they lured her in. They poured their cup of poison into her ear, filled her poor mind with their foul notions of glory. Glory through martyrdom. She was set upon by a mob and stoned to death. My good mother. She knelt in the dirt, wrung her hands and flung her empty prayers to the stars. Meanwhile, the mob tore her asunder. These fanatics that you abet. That you protect, Maximus. They cheered her on. She worshipped you. As did I. And what now? Are we fated to do battle, you and I? We who are so alike. We are not alike. Fate has no part in this. I will see you again. In this life. I think so. Farewell. Go to your friend, Ghost. So the table is now set. Okay. I think there's two takeaways here uh, about Lucius in particular. One, he's calling Maximus out. Yeah, being like, time. I know who you are. I know you're back from the. I don't. In fact, I don't know why. No, you're I, back don't, from the I dead. don't know why you're back from the dead, but you but are back you from are. the dead. And two, he loves a monologue. Oh, <laughs> he loves a monologue. Don't he loves monologuing? He loves monologuing. Well, I think just a lot of this is just these really poetic sort of like monologues that are sort Poured of. Poured their cup of poison into her ear. I it's actually great. think is a cracking line. It's great. It's a great. It's line. great. So the table is set though for for this impending battle. Lucius has said, look, I know who you are. I know what you're doing. We'll, I'll see you again is, is the last but, thing that they but say. But he said, that, like, again, it's all these half lines from Gladiator. Yes. Because I'll see you again in this life yeah. or the next uh-huh. and things like that. It's, all, it's like woven all the way through. It's good. So 
Maximus tells the people to start evacuating and leave all the houses empty as not to be rounded up by the Romans during their census. <laughs> Don't write in the census that you're Christian, everybody. <laughs> but he just tells them to leave. Yeah. He's like, just get out of here. It's not, it's, what's going to happen it ain't going to be good. Get out of here. And we also, at the same time, we see the city square in Rome full of thousands of people and they're all carrying different uh, animals. Lines stretch for miles as one by one they give up their Christian beliefs pledge allegiance to Rome and sacrifice their nominated animal. Their names are ticked off the census. And in the script, it actually says, the streets fill with the screams of animals and the run of blood. Wow. What a what a stark, brutal image that I is. I honestly thought you were <laughs> going to say then that the square was filled with alligators. Because <laughs> Nick came like, what I they used to do that. <laughs> do you guys know? They used to flood the square with alligators. <laughs> with alligators. <laughs> So we're now coming oh, to the pointy end. The Christians are setting up their final camp or their army camp in, in the forest outside of Rome. And they know that soon the battle will be upon them. It'll be the Christians versus the Romans. This, is, yes. this will be the decider. And whilst there at the, at the camp, Maximus actually gets some alone time with Marius. And they decide to have one last conversation. There is mad talk amongst the men. What are they saying? They say you are a great gladiator returned from the dead. As you said, Marius. Bad talk. They believe you will lead them to glory. Let them do so. Belief can be a powerful thing. What do you believe in, Maximus? I was a soldier. My beliefs were of little importance. To hear them talk, you were a great general. I was a soldier. I loved and served my emperor. But as a man? I believed in the goodness of my wife and my son. On the battlefield, within the horror of it all, I held that belief in my heart like a trembling thing. A belief there would be an end to it all. Death and the bloodshed. I would stand beside them once more. And they were taken from you. I can feel them with me. So this conversation... And I'm, this, I'm, I'm just being taken away by this. It's very good. <laughs> this is something that uh, both myself and they even point out on the Gone Elsewhere blog, which we got the, uh, the script breakdown from, that it's a conversation in which they both kind of acknowledge that they're probably father and son, but they never they actually, actually say, say yeah. we're probably father and son, which I think, again, nicely written little scene. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's great. quite good. So enough with the niceness. Oh, no. Lucius and an army of hundreds approach. A massive battle erupts. During the battle, Lucius kills Judah. What? Yeah. And Maximus cuts Lucius to pieces. He is so outraged. He's striking him and striking him. And as he readies to deliver the killing stroke, Lucius drops his sword and seems to accept his fate and says, Only at your hands, Maximus. The arrow explodes through Lucius's neck and it was fired a storm once again hits and the heavens explode with rage once more. The Romans are defeated and Marius falls to his knees and bellows, Oh Lord, what have we done? Maximus kneels as well and he rubs dirt between his fingers. Again, another essential callback back, yeah. to what he used to do 
before and after every gladiator yeah. battle. Now, this is actually the end of the story. There's one what? last section. So, yeah, that, that's the end. It ends with he's a just, battle in the woods. He's just alive. Well, there's one last section. Where's the gods? And I think that if people know anything about Gladiator 2, they probably know this next section because it's had a, a legend of its own online. And what I'm going to do, I'm going to double down with explaining this. I'm actually going to get Nick Cave to explain oh, it first. Thank God. And then, like I did in the Coliseum, I will read it verbatim from the yes. script so you don't misunderstand. So it ends with this, uh, he becomes this eternal warrior and it ends with this 20-minute war sequence that follows all the wars of history right up to Vietnam and wow. all of that sort of stuff. And uh, it was it was wild. That is wild. Russia and Russian, you know, Russian tanks. And so that was, the la- that was the last third of the movie? or the last? That, that was the last thing. And, and um, Wow. Whoa. <laughs> you heard that right. He becomes an eternal warrior, and he lives through every battle in history. The lo- oh, just the last third of the movie. Just the is last, last twenty the- minutes? He's like, oh yeah, in the last twenty minutes. So is, the, the, is- the script, I like. He is not explaining that out of context. Jarringly, it cuts from the script in which Maximus is rubbing dirt in his hands, <laughs> yeah. and this is an important part in the script. As he's doing that, what would come into the battlefield but a dying steer? Oh, always the dying <laughs> always steer. Always the dying steer. a healthy steer at some stage? <laughs> not, not in a <laughs> no. K movie. Here is verbatim as it's written in the script. Battlefield, Middle East, day. Maximus stands. He is dressed in chain mail and covered in a white uniform with a red cross on it. Crusades. He holds the sword in his hand. He is surrounded by hundreds of crusaders. Yeah, cut down it. In similar attire. He looks up and an army of Muslims descend upon them. Their war cries are ferocious. They fight a horrific battle. Maximus remains untouched. We cut again. A stag, shot with arrows, stumbles and drops to its knees. We cut again. Another battlefield, Europe. Close up of Maximus's hand, he rubs snow into them. Maximus stands in the middle of another battle, more modern, in the field of blood and death and snow. The woods roam. The stag falls on its side. Another battlefield, Europe. Maximus stands in the middle of a great battlefield. Armored tanks bear down. Automatic weapons, Maximus fights. Soldiers fall around him. The woods roam. The stag's dying eyes roll into its head. Another battle, Vietnam, day. Maximus stands, jungle, carnage, choppers, flamethrowers. The woods roam. The stag's mouth agape, lowing horribly. And this is the last scene. Bathroom, Pentagon, Washington. Maximus is washing his hands while wearing a suit at the Pentagon when who should be behind him in the mirror but Mordecai. (laughs) What? Maximus addresses Mordecai, his old friend, and Mordecai whispers... Until eternity itself has said its prayers. Maximus then leaves the bathroom and enters the situation room. (laughs) The last line of the script, Maximus sits at the bench and says, Now where were we? End credits. (gasps) What is going on? (laughs) What he should have done, he should have gone back into the situation room and sat down and gone, are you not entertained? (laughs) (laughs) 
That's that's so crazy. We've talked about pivots. Yeah, that, that this story that is, takes. It takes a pivot uh, about a third of the way through, in which it's set in the underworld, and the gods are a big part. Yeah. And then it pivots then it to a story of the Romans versus the Christians, Christians and religious struggle. Maximus yeah. fighting on the side of the Christians. And then, according to Nick Cave, what he said was a 20-minute sequence, <laughs> though I read in a few minutes, an eternal warrior fighting all throughout history. See, that's... Man, that should be the movie. That... Well, that... what, Mate, if you think about... X-Men Origins, Wolverine. Wolverine, that is verbatim the start of that movie. Here's what I want to know, because the script doesn't have a publishing date. Like, uh, you know, scripts normally yeah, have like a draft have, date. Yeah. I want to know what was written first, whether this was written first or whether X-Men Origins Wolverine was written, written first. This would have been written this, like 2001, 2002, maybe? This definitely was written first. This was definitely Do written first. Do you think first. they took it? Yeah, 100%. <laughs> They've finally got a badass character that can live throughout Forever. the ages. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. So that, it, it ends, I, uh, I've been told as well, that's very similar to like God of War. Uh, yeah. Living all yes. throughout history, history. fighting yeah. these great yeah, yeah, battles. Yeah. That is how the movie comes to an end in the most insane way possible. That is insane. He ends up in the Pentagon. In a suit. He's a Spaniard. <laughs> I want to see him. <laughs> I will cheer for you, Spaniard. <laughs> In the Pentagon, pressing buttons, drone strikes. <laughs> That's the real war. So the question is, Eden, what happened? You won't be surprised yes, to learn. Yes, yes, please. Oh, yeah, this didn't get made, didn't No, <laughs> this. I, I feel like I've seen it, though. You now. may remember from not having seen this movie yeah. that this never got made. You won't be surprised to learn there was some creative differences. Oh, really? So it actually turned out Ridley Scott really liked this script. And he actually said that it was a nice piece of storytelling. Okay. Russell Crowe was less happy Not with so the script. much. <laughs> when asked about it, Nick Cave explained Russell Crowe's reaction. How did uh, Russell Crowe react to that uh, when he read that? I draft? said, what did you think? Don't like it, mate. <laughs> 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 what about the end? Don't like it, mate. Oh, oh man. Um, uh, uh, I enjoyed writing it because I knew on every level it was never going to get made. <laughs> there we go. I enjoyed writing it because on every level... Every level! I knew it wasn't going to get made. Okay. And, and it was essentially stamped out by Russell Crowe. He just decided, no. No. It's not going to happen. Mate, don't, don't like, like it. it. <laughs> um, what is crazy is that Ridley Scott has not given up his quest to make Gladiator 2. Even as far uh, forward as 2017, he is still insisting that, that he knows how to bring Maximus back from the dead. Oh, Ridley. And he is, uh, oh, Ridley. He is still working on Gladiator 2. He wants to make Gladiator 2. Will it be this script? I don't think so. I this think. is what? <laughs> Alien Covenant? It's like he Ridley Scott doesn't understand like his old movies. Can and I why tell you, they were good. Yeah, he just doesn't. I'll tell you what Ridley Scott understands about his old movies. People liked him when he was making them. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, and he's yeah. like, I guess I'll keep making them. But, but he's <sighs> making the wrong... Because you're right. The alien movies he's making now seem to fundally, fundamentally misunderstand what was good about Alien. Exactly. Like you, the fact the fact that he's gone now into oh let's try and figure out where the aliens came from. Let's all this. It's like, no, no, no. That's not what people yeah. are interested in. <laughs> and just... Uh, 
Why? <laughs> Ridley, he's gone off the boil. I tell you right now. It, it, again, interestingly, uh, Ridley Scott fascinated with religion, even like Kingdom of Heaven, uh, where he made yeah. a movie about the Crusades, and he's made movies. Uh, the Robin Hood movie took. Uh, there's battles in which Maximus was going to be a part of in Gladiator 2. He's taken things that he's interested in, tried to cram them all in. And even Prometheus has the idea oh, about the gods dying and the people that they created killing yeah. the gods. And There's a lot of religious undertones in that yeah. as well. Yeah. And, and this one's very heavy on them. Well, this is not, yeah, this is not subtle. No. Religious <laughs> undertones. I'll give him that much. So here's a note I want to make as well. Throughout this whole movie, Maximus at no point steps into a coliseum or fights someone one-on-one. Oh, because he doesn't fight the, the alligators, does he? No. No, we just see that. We just see it. From afar because <laughs> it looks cool. Because it looks cool. So yeah, how disappointing, disappointing a gladiator sequel would it be if he never became a gladiator and I, fought in the Colosseum? I think the idea is, I think they were right with half of it. Just get out of, if you're not going to put him in a Colosseum again, mm-hmm. if you're not going to do that, don't even go to Rome. Yeah. Get out of that and do something totally different. Yeah. Have him in the underworld, have him trying to, like that, like that to me would be more interesting, yeah. him trying to get through the, like that start, that start was in terms of him in the underworld and trying to get out and trying to see his family again, that's sort of interesting. And then it just, yeah, the pivot. Okay, so the final question, what we always want to find from this podcast, the whole point of this podcast comes to this question. Do you want to see this movie and do you think it would have been any good? Okay, well, I honestly think I I, I do want to see this movie, I Me think. Too. I think I really want to see this movie. <laughs> and I think... Uh, I think it's just the idea of of them going back to a film like Gladiator, getting Russell in there, going through these weird sort of time and, and turning this franchise into something that it's totally not. Uh-huh. In in the sort of the same way that Alien One is like a horror film and then Alien Two is like an action yeah, it's film. It's like a war film. So just 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 pivot in that sense. Mm-hmm. And I think some of the imagery in it is really cool. Yeah. And I think maybe a couple more drafts and maybe pull back on this religious thing a little uh-huh. bit and 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 just yeah i don't know I, i'm just i would really like to see it honestly I, i've had time to really analyze this i, I it's, through doing this i've read the script several times yeah here's where i land on it it is a terrible gladiator sequel correct but it is a good film yeah <laughs> i actually think that this is really well written mm. the concept the theme of it about Religion are kind of almost man-made and when people start believing in one thing, one thing dies Dies, out and that's just the natural progression is a really interesting theme. There's some really interesting imagery. I actually think it would make a great film. It's just a bad gladiator film. Yeah, you're right. And I think if you brought the gods back and and sort of more towards the latter end and Mm. and brought them back into the fold somehow and had them, I just, yeah, it would be really cool. But don't. Don't call it Gladiator 2. <laughs> Whatever you do, don't call it Gladiator 2. So, and this is interesting because this movie seems to have divided you more. Like when we watched Justice, when we watched yeah. Justice League, what am I talking about? Yeah, yeah, when well. we heard Justice League, you were pretty much like, yeah, that would have been bad. That would have been bad. And, and in fact, that is the, the main feedback we've gotten from that episode is we have ruined a lot of people's <laughs> imagination, ideas of, of that movie. Whereas this movie, everyone that has read this script seems to agree that they're conflicted. Yeah. Because parts of it are quite good. Cool. Yeah. And parts of it are insane. There's some great little <laughs> monologues in there. There's some great little, like, the tears of Rome and the fish. Yeah. Sweet, like, that's good stuff. <laughs> that's good stuff. We 
This movie broke us. Yeah. We don't, I don't know. know. I don't, yeah. I'm, let's, how much money do we have? I could chip in. I don't want to, <laughs> I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't want to boast. I don't want to brag. I could chip in a thousand. Um, <laughs> isn't this what Kickstarter's for? Yes. It's, yes. I, I Someone more organized than us. <laughs> Set up a Kickstarter. Get Russell e- on the phone. Email Nick. I don't like it. <laughs> I think Nick Cave lives in Hillsville. That's not oh, yeah, unattainable not for us to travel. We'll search him out. We'll make know. him aware of the Kickstarter. I think it's great. I, I would really like to see that film, but you're right. Don't call it Gladiator 2. Yeah, I agree. I want to see it. Well, that is the end of the cancelled movie report for Gladiator 2. We hope you enjoyed this episode and we would love it if you would subscribe, whether it be on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or wherever you like to listen. It really does help us get discovered in the charts. It would also be terrific if you could give us a five-star rating or most important of all, just tell a friend. We are completely independent here at Cancelled Movie Report, so your support means the world to us. And hey, what did you think of the movie? Did you like it as much as we did? Or did we miss anything? We would love to hear from you. You can always get in touch with us via cancelledmovies at gmail.com or at cancelledmovies on all of the socials. And hey, maybe you have a cancelled movie project you've always wanted to hear about. Why not let us know? You can fill out a form in the episode description alerting us to a project and we may just give it the cancelled movie report treatment. I'm Michael Campbell. I hosted and edited this episode. Eden Porter was my co-host as well. And we both produced the show. Sam DiLorenzo was the sound engineer. We would also like to thank our amazing voice cast, all of which are listed in the episode notes. And make sure you're listening next week as we are talking about the Arnold Schwarzenegger starring Paul Verhoeven directed epic crusade. Here is a sneak peek. Surgeon steps out between the companion's legs, studies his groin area for a beat. (laughs) He then reaches down with a curved blade and swiftly cuts away the man's genitals. Screams echo around the slave pen. Nurses rush over and seal the wound with burning coal and hot oil. They then wrap him in cotton and lower him into a ditch and bury him up to his chest. But until then, take care.